Hello, and welcome to episode 3 of Hive Mind, the podcast for beekeepers by a beekeeper. In today's episode, I will be talking about the origins of beekeeping and the history following its discovery. I hope you enjoy. As for the origin of beekeeping, some of the earliest evidence of gathering honey from wild bee colonies is from rock paintings depicting humans collecting honey from wild hives, dating around to the Upper Paleoithic era, about 10,000 years ago. Beekeeping and pottery vessels began around 9,000 years ago in North Africa, and even today, honey-guide birds have evolved a mutualistic relationship with humans, leading them to hives and participating in the feast, therefore, after collection. The domestication of bees is shown in early Egyptian art from around 4,500 years ago. On the walls of the Sun Temple of Nazarene from the 5th Dynasty, workers are depicted blowing smoke into hives as they remove honeycombs. Inscriptions that detail the production of honey are found on the tomb of Pazabia from the 26th Dynasty. These depict pouring honey into jars and cylinder-like hives. Simple hives and smoke were used, and honey was stored in jars, some of which found in the tombs of pharaohs such as Tutankhamun, or King Tut, as you and I know him, were still edible when found. In prehistoric Greece, there was a system of high-status apiculture, suggested from the finds of hives, smoking pots, honey extractors, and other beekeeping paraphernalia in Cronus. Beekeeping was considered a highly valued industry and controlled by beekeeper overseers. Aspects of the lives of bees and beekeeping are discussed at length by Aristotle and by the Roman writers Virgil and Gaius Julius. Archaeological finds relating to beekeeping have been discovered, such as a Bronze Age excavation site in the Jordan Valley in Israel. Thirty intact hives made of straw and unbaked clay were discovered in the ruins of the city, dating from about 900 BCE. The hives were found in orderly rows, stacked three high in a manner that would have accommodated around 100 hives, housing more than one million bees and had the potential annual yield of around 1,000 pounds of honey and 50 pounds of beeswax. Based on this evidence, it proves that an advanced honey industry may have existed in ancient Israel 3,000 years ago. The ancient Maya domesticated a species of stingless bee. This is referred to as Meloponiculture, named after the bees of the tribe Meloponini. This variation of beekeeping still occurs around the world today. For instance, in Australia, the stingless bee Tetraorangula is kept for production of their honey. But the Maya kept their bees in woven baskets covered in mud. Beekeeping has also been practiced in ancient China. In the book Golden Rules of Business Success, written by Tao Zhu Gong, during the spring and autumn period, there are sections describing the art of beekeeping, stressing the importance of the quality of the wooden box used and how this can affect the quality of harvested honey. 
Collecting honey from wild bee colonies is one of the most ancient human activities that is still practiced by Aboriginal societies in parts of Africa, Asia, Australia, and South America. Gathering honey from wild bee colonies is usually done by subduing the bees with smoke and breaking open the tree or rocks where the colony is located. This often results in the physical destruction of the colony. It wasn't until the 18th century that European understanding of colonies and biology of bees allowed the construction of movable comb hives so that the honey and bees could be harvested without destroying the entire colony. European natural philosophers undertook the scientific study of bee colonies and began to understand the complex and hidden world of bee biology. Among these scientific pioneers were René Rimor, Charles Bonnet, and Francis Huber. Rimor was among the first to use a microscope and dissection to understand the internal biology of honeybees, as well as the first to construct a glass-walled observation hive to better observe activities within them. He observed queens laying eggs in open cells but still had no idea how the queen was fertilized. Nobody had ever really witnessed the mating of a queen and a drone, and many theories held that queens were self-fertile. Others believed that vapor or miasma emitting from the drones fertilized queens without direct physical contact. Huber was the first to prove by observation and experiment that queens are physically inseminated by drones outside of the confines of the hives. Following Raremore's design, Huber built an improved glass wall observation hive and sectioned hives that would be opened like pages of a book. This allowed inspecting individual wax combs and greatly improved the direct observation of a hive activity. Although he went blind before he was 20, Huber employed a secretary, Francis Bourinez, to make daily observations, conduct careful experiments, and keep accurate notes over more than 20 years. Huber confirmed that a hive consists of one queen who is the mother of all the female workers and male drones in the colony. Together, he and Bourinez dissected bees under microscope and were amongst the first to describe the ovaries and spermacathia, or sperm store, in the queen, as well as the genitals of male drones. Huber is universally regarded as the father of modern bee science. Also during the 18th century, abbeys and monasteries became hubs for beekeepers. This was because beeswax was highly prized for candles and the fermented honey could be used to make mead. Intermediate stages in the transition from the old method of beekeeping to the new were recorded, for example, by Thomas Wildman in 1768. He described advances over the destructive old skep-based beekeeping so that the bees no longer had to be killed to harvest honey. Wildman fixed a parallel array of wooden bars across the top of a straw hive. He also described using such hives in a multi-story configuration, foreshadowing our modern use of supers. Wildman described a further development. 
Using the hives with sliding frames for the bees to build their comb, foreshadowing even more modern uses of movable comb hives. Wildman's book acknowledged the advances in knowledge of bees previously made by Rimmer. He included a lengthy translation of his account of the natural history of bees. The 19th century saw this revolution in beekeeping practice completed through the perfection of the movable comb hive. Langstroth was the first person to make practical use of Huber's earlier discovery, that there was a spatial measurement between wax combs, later called the bee space, which bees do not block with wax but keep as free passage. In 1853, Langstroth published The Hive and the Honeybee, describing his rediscovery of the bee space and the development of his patent movable comb hive, soon to become the hive most commonly used by all beekeepers all around the world. Well, with that, I think I'll wrap up today's episode. I hope you learned something today. And if you have, go ahead and give us five stars and share this podcast with your friends. If you have any questions or comments, go ahead and email me at planbeeapiary at gmail.com. Again, that's going to be plan.beeapiary at gmail.com. And as always, be sure to follow us on iTunes, Spotify, and Facebook. Until next time, be safe and be happy.